I think THEI has created like a canvas. They've created an education style that has changed the prison system, and it's now having an impact in direct services and reentry. Welcome to Graduated Justice, a podcast on finding opportunities for autonomy and success beginning with higher education in prison, brought to you by Tennessee Higher Education Initiative. Hey, I'm Jeremy, and we're introducing ourselves tonight with THEI uh, as alumni. We're glad to be here. So I'm Jeremy. Um, I did 22 years in the Tennessee Department of Corrections. And um, it's been a long road. Um, finally got out of prison in 2021. I was able to go to Dismas House. After completing Dismas House, was able to transition uh, to my own place. Uh, working with THEI as a transition coach, working with the Office of Reentry as the administrative assistant, graduated from Nashville State Community College, with an associate's in business and currently enrolled at Austin Peay State University seeking a bachelor's in finance and urban economics. And shout out to my guy, Edward, um, who's here. What's up, guy? What you doing? What's up? What's up, Jeremy? My name is Edward. I've been in the penitentiary twice. Um, I got out. I came to the Dismas house and got on my feet. Uh, I work overnight at American Paper and Twine as a third shift team lead. I'm the Middle Tennessee's transitions coach, and uh, I run a co-owner business with my guy Jeremy. <laughs> Shout out to Double R, and um, yeah, yeah. And I think it's it's great that we're having an opportunity to be able to share our backgrounds and kind of go into what second chances means, and also just the impact that THEI has had uh, on our lives. Um, since we've been able to become a part of the program. And I don't think a lot of people know that we were in the same cohort. That's when we first met. Yeah. <laughs> so how did you, when, you know, when I first saw you, I knew you were kind of shy then. <laughs> I didn't think that you would be this shy tonight, but you are. So I'm just, I'm wondering, like, where we've come from yeah, and where we are. It kind of feels different, right? Yeah, it definitely feels different. I, what I say is, it's a lot more fast paced. Um, it's a lot of a lot of barriers that I didn't see coming. But um, yeah, it's definitely been a challenge in itself on the everyday aspect. And with me bringing in my daughter to the picture, man, it's just been a a whirlwind of events. But mostly good, but definitely some trying times for sure. Yeah, because I think we never kind of imagined that, you know, coming out of a prison setting where we were just navigating prison life and that lifestyle to being co-owners and transition coaches and seeking our degrees. And THEI has kind of elevated uh, us on that platform. And I think in a lot of ways, when we think about systems, I wonder, like, what's your thoughts on how it's changed? I, as far as the penitentiary? I think even just not only just the penitentiary, but kind of how the system has changed. Because even with the, with the expansion, 
it's like, wow, they were in three prisons and then it just expanded to nine. And I wonder how it is in prison now for some of the men that are going in there. I'm pretty sure it feels probably like a, a breath of fresh air. I mean, a lot of these opportunities wasn't awarded to some of the guys, except, especially some of the guys that has criminal charges where they have to do long stints. Right. And um, now that they in nine state, I mean, nine different penitentiaries, maybe those guys get an opportunity to get an education to, like, you know, further their – it brings opportunity. That's what I would say because, you know, even though we was at Turning Center, you know – a lot of people didn't choose to join in, even though it was right there, and I was one of them. It took for somebody to actually bring it up to me, and and that's how I got into college. So now that it's in nine, hopefully we can get some more people to just gravitate just because it's there, it, whether if they have the motivation or not. So I feel like the change. I mean, the the change has definitely put education on a broad scale in there, right? And I feel like yeah. At, at some point in time, it's going to start to trickle heavier and heavier to where it's going to just keep on expanding. It's going to shift the whole needle yeah. in prison. I think in a lot of ways it's going to shift the environment. Yeah, sure. um, I just hope that as peer coaches where we're able to kind of go in and really help move that needle so men and women can see successful uh, individuals who are going through reentry and to really kind of carry that out in a way where we become agents of change. Uh, That's the biggest value uh, that THEI has given us. And I was just thinking about it, thinking about recent legislation, um, thinking about, you know, lobbying to ban the box. You know, I really think it's stupid that we have to literally go through an admissions process where we have to check off a box about our criminal history. Is that just – it's – for lack of better words, it's fucked up. Yeah, it's most. I mean, it, it's messed up because it already puts us in a box. I mean, once once we get that that little box checked off, it's like we're, we're no longer. I wouldn't say we wouldn't no longer be qualified, but anybody else with this box that's not checked will be better better suited in the eyes of this company. So, at that point, it's not even about what I got to bring to the table. It's more so is. Do we want somebody like you here? And that that's just that's just that's, not cool. It's <laughs> not. It's like there's nothing inclusive about that at yeah. all. I think what kind of gets me is that oftentimes the system that promotes all the branches of rehabilitation and still chooses to use labels. You said it one time. Jeremy, they, it's still the same thing, just a different label, right? Yeah. So it's, I think now um, they should acknowledge that what they're doing is working. So mm-hmm. don't work against, don't like, don't act in direct contravention to what you're, what you're doing. And I, I'm surprised because now they're trying to still put, I think, over fifty million dollars back into the prison system with building prisons. I thought that was ludicrous. Yeah, that just that sounds just insane. <laughs> like I don't even know what they could come up with fifty million dollars for, other than to continue to constrict us. But yeah, that's just that doesn't sound good at all. And so I was, you know, now that I'm thinking about that, um, I was talking the other day and at a speaking engagement, and I recalled that we were talking about how language matters. 
And it didn't dawn on me until I got home from that speaking engagement that somebody referred to me as a product. And I thought to myself, you know, we need to put this on the list of things because even in our successes, we're not a product of. If anything, it's our work. It's our effort. It's what we put into it. And I think, like, even with the labels that they have now, like Justice Involved, Justice Impacted, um, like, does it feel like it's changed anything to you? Um, Not necessarily. To me, it kind of seems like, it's just another label at the end of the day. It, I mean, yeah, is it a little bit more respectful label? Yeah, but at the end of the day, it's still another label. Just call me by my name. You know what I mean? Just all I'm looking for is the opportunity to show that I'm, I'm, I can do this, that, I've, that I'm capable of doing the job. That's all I ask for is opportunity. Whether I, where I come from shouldn't matter. Whether I came from the penitentiary, whether I came from a different state, Am I qualified to do this job? Right. That's all that should matter, man. I feel like the label doesn't doesn't do nothing, but let's kind of. I feel like it kind of gives you like a sympathetic look, like oh, we 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 cater to this kind. We we deal with those type of people here. But is we it like, like those pride though? You feel like it's just pride. At some points, I be feeling like it's just they know that it's a bandwagon that they need to get on to further themselves, but it's not genuine. I feel like a lot of people are trying to say, oh, we'll deal with them because they know that coming with us come money, come funding, come things like that. And I feel like sometimes people use that for their own personal gain, but not for the gain of us. Like it's not giving us no experience. I mean, it's giving us the experience in some sense, but at the end of the day, that type of that type of help has a cap on it. Right. It's like we'll only serve one purpose. As and, the help, you know what I mean? And I think that's I think that's where we get to the point of why higher education has been so beneficial for us. It kind of puts us in a position where we've been um, elevated and uplifted through our own voices and not where we've been put, where we feel like we're being used. Yeah. But, and, and I think, and, and I feel that because even when I came out, you know, pretty much post, not post-pandemic. Uh-huh. I came out in January of 2021. I was 41 years old. The pandemic was kind of still here. You know a lot about it because yeah, you sure. went through it before I, you were out before me. Mm-hmm. And I was really shocked. I was shocked at the level of change in society. And it really just, it kind of brought me to a place where I think had it not been for the workshops, had it not been for the resume building, had it not been for the interaction with the professors that we had, and then just building among one another like that confidence, uh-huh. it literally it, it it gave me a new perspective before my release. Yeah, for sure. That's why I tell people like that confidence that you get through those those classes, especially at Dishman's House when we had to do that week-long thing, a project return, just building, like, those resource pools and access uh, parts and stuff like that, we needed those situations, and we needed those um, little courses because that's where I got all the confidence that I had. With, with bills coming back and forth the way that they were, it was easy for me to 
fall behind. You know, right. I was kind of, I had to you really get used to having simple successes and which was paying these bills on time, making sure I get to work on time. At a weak time, I congratulate myself because I'm taking care of the business chip by chip, but it's kind of harder for other people, especially people who is not proactive. Right. So with us coming out mid-pandemic, if we didn't have Dismas, if we didn't have THEI, if we didn't have, you know what I mean, the people supporting us behind our education, we probably would be a lot worse. And and that's all I can say. Like, yeah, and that's and that's one of the things that I can say about second chances because we know that it's really changed the outlook. I think even when you and I were able to focus on reimagining reintegration, it really gave us a new insight into how. Uh, T-H-E-I, when we think back, uh, just how entrenched the program was in reentry services. Um, Even before there was reentry services, I mean, let's keep it 100. The program itself was already pretty much building us from the inside in preparation for coming out. And And I think even when we're talking about second chances, um, it's kind of still shocking that with all the funding uh, that's going to businesses with tax credits, with um, a lot of the funding that's coming from areas of government, it's you would think that our population would really be elevated. Um, and I look at the men and the alumni, men and women, and I see you see a difference. I see it. Do you see it? Uh, in a sense, um, what do you mean? Like, so I'm saying, me- like I was seeing, you know, a lot of times, even when I first got out, and let's say we saw Centoya and them, how they were celebrated and supported, and in my mind, I was like, we're just average Joes coming out and just need help. And it's like, where where is that help at? Where does it start at? And I think you and I saw that everything started the moment we got in that cohort. Yeah. And we were able to make those changes and use our voices, even if we had to self-advocate, because there wasn't people that were self they There was no advocation, Edward. Yeah, no, not at all. Yeah, that's true. Um and that's why I would say, like, yeah, you're right. When we did start that cohort, because that, that's really started my elevated thinking in the cohort. It's like it gave me the, I wouldn't say the tools, but it gave me the the direction that I needed to be thinking in. Okay, now that I know that I'm finna go out and I'm finna hit society, I'm already in an upward swing with this education. What else do I need to get in, in line so I can, for one, continue the education, because if I don't continue the education, it'll probably be because I don't have housing. It's probably because I'm struggling in some other field. So as long as I can keep these other fields up to par, I know that I can keep this education going. So that's what triggered my way of thinking on my transition on the way out. But to say if I didn't get into that class or that cohort going into college, you know, I probably would have recidivated again. Right. Because I couldn't ask important questions that I needed to to the counselor because they didn't care. You know what I mean? Like, they didn't help me look up for jobs like the class, uh, like the people at THEI when we was in the cohort was. They used to bring us business business 
papers in. Right. If we wanted to learn plumbing, they'd bring me plumbing <laughs> plumbing papers. Right. If they knew about an electrical company that hired and I wanted to be electricity, I mean, it'd be into electricity field, they'd get me the information that I needed. So it was never a no with THEI. It never it was, was. Yeah, it was always, where do you want to go? How do we get you to where we got to <laughs> get you? And it's funny because it wasn't even during the <laughs> pandemic. And that yeah. really, you know, it really, it changed my outlook on THEI because they still broke them doors down yeah. even during the pandemic. And we were able to get that paperwork. We were able to finish. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you, I, when I saw that and I was able to step out, you know, cause I was in, I was in segregation yeah. and lockup at the time, right when my cellmate died from COVID and when I was able to get released um, to see that they still had compassion um and that they were willing to take risk and come into the facility and actually give us the the things that we needed. Brother, I knew the moment that I got out, that I got beyond them wire fences. It was yeah. balls to the wall, educate, 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 and get that degree and really focus. I mean, wasn't it? Yeah, one thing I can say about THEI, and the staff, they are the most consistent people that I have ever, like, <laughs> there is no such thing. Like, you can choose to fail, but it will be an option to let it down because they're going to support you even then. There's really no excuse you can make. It's you not. know what I mean? So, yeah, just to. But just they want to, you to be accountable, and that's the biggest thing is That's is the best part about it. That's the best part about it. You being a man. That's all you got. That's all they're asking you to do. Be a man. Stand up. Do what you're supposed to do. The support is here. Right. If you fall, we got you. Yeah, no matter how high you go. That's why I always tell people, THEI is more than a place. Everywhere I go, I represent THEI. This THEI right here. Right. When I walk in the room and I see Miss Laura Mims, I see Jeremy, I see Laramie, that's THEI right there. When it, You don't even have to know. Once you hear the name, you're going to know that those names associated with THEI. It's us. We are THEI. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? So no matter where we go, no matter how high we get, THEI never be left behind. You know, I did wonder, you know, when we were talking about second chances, yeah. and, I, you know, it made me realize this past week, you know, as we visited Belmont and uh, Lipscomb, and we were able to kind of go out and, and speak to the youth about second chances. I, I quickly realized you said something earlier about how much it's grown, THEI. And, you know, the one thing that I do miss sometimes is those moments like we used to get in prison where we had Rachel and we had, you know, the academic coordinators and they were like genuine moments of being walked through like learning curves. And it's sometimes I think like even with all the alumni, mm -hmm. I think in my mind, uh, do I, I miss that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, that little, I wouldn't say that it was an intimate setting, but that one-on-one -on -one setting, especially when I was struggling, because I never really had support like that. The first time I had that support, I caught it from a couple of guys that was in there, like Doug Royster. Right. That was my first mentor. 
So, you know, a lot of my mentors had the same outfit on that I had on. Right. So coming into THEI, meeting Rachel, and they showing the same tenacity about my my uh, help and the um, things that they do for me, it was only it was only right that I fell in with them because I'm like, okay, so these people are more than, I'm more than just somebody in this classroom. They know me by my first name. They know me by and my last name. And they ain't calling name. you by your prison Yeah, yeah right. you know what I mean? Like, they getting to know me. They mm-hmm. they making sure they not looking over me. So, um, yeah, that that was that was unmatched. Right. <laughs> I mean, like, you can't, you, you can't really get no better than that. And for somebody like me to kind of standoffish to really get that type of support, it, it, to this day, I still think of it, you know what I mean? Yeah, and I just, you know, I brought that up because it really just made me think about, you know, all the collateral consequences that we knew that we were going to come home to and to see them go into reentry. But it's it's almost like, well, we don't want it to be a machine. We want it to remain humanized. Um, I think sometimes the work can be really overwhelming uh, for staff, just because it's such it's people work, and to when you're dealing with so many personalities and so much work, and you're trying to build uh, from it, it's it it can be overwhelming sometimes. And I think um, I just don't I don't never want to lose the genuineness of what we went through, especially. And I'll tell you what caught me when we saw Miss Yance. Yeah. Like, that was wild. Yeah. That was a surreal moment. I mean, you run into the professor that taught you arts and humanities in prison, and you see her at an art show. Shout out to Omari Booker. Straight up. <laughs> yeah, because I started to tell her, like, you know, in that class I had a couple paintings that I liked, like the one by Artemisia Genticelli. Right. That, um, what was it? The Judith Decapitating Hollow Furnace. Why did I know you were going to say that's that? My, that's <laughs> my number one. And the 5th of May, that Francisco Goya, the 5th of May, that with the French thing. Yeah, like that class, because she she opened up something new to me. Right. Like I thought art was just, you know, people just coming up with the pigment colors back in the day, painting this person that they probably seen standing there. But once you get the real backstory... It tells you know you. what I mean? Like, it just opened up a whole another world for me. And I'm like, man, this is what college did. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't have never, wouldn't have never had this opportunity. And I'm like, man, then we, like you said, we ran into her at that event. And it was, it was, and it, she noticed this right off the wall. She did. <laughs> you know and it, it was like, and to hear her say that she had never been able to experience um, seeing individuals in her cohort because she taught, Specifically at River Bend, and they're on maximum security custody or death row. And to be able to have that moment with the professor is really phenomenal. Um, yeah, that was deep. It was. And to, to just see it in a THEI setting uh, with legacy alumni, you know, to yeah. I think that's uh, the beautiful thing about art. I think THEI has created like a canvas. Yeah. Um, they have. They've created... Uh, an education style that has changed the prison system and it's now having an impact in direct services and reentry because they're continuing the work. For sure. and, and not just that, they're hiring 
justice-involved individuals to be a part of the team, and that says a lot. Yes, that says a whole lot. I mean, because I, I, I commend them for it because they're doing a lot. They're doing what a lot of people wouldn't do, or they're doing what a lot of people haven't took the time to do. A lot of people are scared to take that leap for what someone might say, for what you know. What I'm saying how their company may look, how it may be projected, but you know it is what it is. THGI giving us a platform, so we're going to utilize it to the best of our ability to further this education to further this, you know what I'm saying, the movement that we're making because we need people like this because everybody ain't as proactive as I was when I came home. You know? Right. So, you know, some people do need that little backing and that support. So if we can provide that, most definitely count me in. And it does, it kind of is like what well, means a lot to me because even learning that employers, even second chance, employers who call themselves second chance, I mean, I've literally heard them say, well, we don't want people to know we hire justice-involved individuals. And I'm like, we don't have cooties, homie. Like, we can <laughs> we can come in and, and really work. We're competitors. We're trustworthy. We're loyal. And we're going to come in and actually be productive citizens. And I think that that really says a lot that um, we've been able to meet men and women who are able to see us not for what we did, but for who we are. Yeah, for sure. But I would say that I, if I could say anything to a second-chance employer, I understand that the heads of a second-chance employer might be of, of in support of us. Can we make sure that the staff is as well? <laughs> you know what I, I mean? I know, like, right? <laughs> because it's okay that, oh, the boss, like, oh, yeah, yeah. But then when we get on the shift, we have so many different opinions and other feelings involved that the staff don't ex- – those are the people that we have to work with every day. Right. We don't work with the bosses who who was in favor of us. So if, if they're not pushing it down a pipeline, like, hey, this is not acceptable, they're going to continue their way of thinking, like, oh, why are we hiring these guys? Like, what are they doing up top? Like, and that's not a – that's not a good working environment, especially for somebody, someone like me, you know what I'm saying, who's really going to genuinely give it all. But when you got the staff holding us back, so to speak, that you can't – it's just like a double you – can't, you can't have nothing good from that. You know what and I there's, mean? And there's not because anytime middle management yeah. is not in agreement with top management and HR is not pushing out policies that – show inclusion and they're looking at individuals like well we don't need to we don't need to have diversity training well of course you do if you're a second chance employer and you know you have justice involved individuals coming in the number one barrier is communication yeah for sure because at the end of the day me coming in I have to be ready to be subsided by any of the older gentlemen's rules and regulations, like how they would say, oh, well, these are specific things to these type of people who's been here this long. Okay, well, these people are just as involved. Let's make sure they feel comfortable here. Right. At least what you could tell your staff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And I'm not telling them to put us on a pedestal here. Uh, hold me completely accountable for the job that you hired me to do. 
But at least don't allow me to get disrespected here. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I think some of the times, and I've heard phrases like that. Well, we're not, we ain't babysitters. Yeah, I don't, I don't need you to babysit exactly. me. What I need you to do is accept the fact that I'm at the same level as you, and in some cases, I might be able to do it better than you. But I'm being humble. I'm practicing humility. I'm coming in and I'm trying to communicate. Whatever learning curves I have, I'm asking for assistance. And if it means helping to advance the efforts of our population, don't make it seem like you're now inferior to us just simply because we're coming in and we're actually getting the job done. Yeah, for sure, because at the end of the day, we have bills just like everybody else. I'm t- that you part. Know, we don't want to struggle. We don't want to have to go to work and have to spend the whole check on bills. We don't want to have to be subject to be at McDonald's. You know what I mean? Right. Like, why can't we work our way up through this company? And if we show our improvement, maybe get an administrative level position. Right. Maybe be able to be somebody really contributing to the the business here. But just holding us as the helper roles, how I would say, just mean basically putting a cap on our success, that's not – that's not progressive to me. Yeah, and I don't I don't think that there's anything progressive about that. And I think in many ways it's still that mindset. It's mm-hmm. a mindset of well, these individuals have committed a crime. These individuals are still um justice involved individuals and this is what we can do. But we need to make sure that we still kind of watch ourselves. And I think in many cases, and I say that because we've seen men in warehouses um, that are in manufacturing all the time where people are like, where they're stealing or they have this stigma. And you want to know something? I'm sick and fed up with this stigma. But you Um, know what? You know, it's... Like, Regular people it. do it, too. You know what I mean? This is my whole thing. It's not just Justin involves out here doing things like that. Right. It's one way to get... only way you become Justin involved is if you got caught. Maybe you just didn't get caught at this time. Right. You know what I mean? So, I mean, yeah, just don't count us for, like, oh, if something come up missing, let's go check those guys. Or let's go run the cameras back because it's probably one of these guys. Maybe it's one of the newer ones. You know yeah, I mean? it's maybe you know it's somebody I mean? you just hired to some meth, homie. It ain't got to be yeah. always us. And that's why I tell them, like, I work in a place where, you know, word of mouth will get you in trouble. And I was just like, well, don't y'all have cameras here? You know what I mean? Like, if if you have cameras here, use the cameras. Let's, let's do this the equal way. You know, and... um. You know how it is. Those right. people, you know, they got their ways. Any way to cover their own because they are giving us an opportunity. But before you sabotage that opportunity or bring down the company, they're going to cut that leg off the co- uh, the company ASAP. Right. So I always felt like I was kind of expendable in a sense. So um, just like, you know, just barriers like that is barriers I feel like I try to keep mental. Like, man, this is all in my head. But at the end of the day, sometimes those barriers show like to rear themselves up in my face. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, when that happens, it tends to come at the worst moment. Mm -hmm. And it's 
it's hard to really get through that. No. And you know what? A lot of people don't understand how much a just as involved individual has to be the bigger person. Right. You know what I mean? How somebody come off wrong or come off incorrect because you didn't know how to talk to us or because you felt a certain type of way about us and you let it slip. And it, but can we rebuke that? Can we <laughs> go into your mouth about that? Absolutely right. not. We got to <laughs> no. stand tall. Because if we do go into your mouth about that, we'll be playing the exact stigma that you think that we are. And a lot of times it's individuals that will perpetuate that. I think what's most important that we've been able to see um, is that how we can kind of effectuate change. What we can do about it is, you know, as individuals who are going through reentry and uplifting our voices uh, using these platforms, uh, some of the biggest things that I've seen where we've been able to make change is – We've literally penetrated through the Office of Reentry. Um, THEI is penetrating national policy um, legislation. Just going into these other nine prisons, um, it's really it's really telling about what we can do as individuals that have come out of prison, and even when we were there at the state capitol that day and. Um, I'll never forget it. You were looking at the pictures, and the first thing you said was, there ain't nobody looks like me. Oh, yeah, when we was walking down the hallway. And I thought to myself then, um, you know, the one mindset that you, you can never have is that you don't belong in the room. All and I hell thought, with that. Yeah, all I thought you at know. the time was, if ain't nobody like me on the wall, maybe I need to get on the wall. <laughs> you know get saying? on the wall. Yeah, I might as well go <laughs> and put a suit on and be a represent, representative. And, and seeing, like, now what you've done at American Paper and Twine as a team lead and even trying to become a supervisor, being a father, um, getting custody of your daughter, and continuing to thrive – says a lot about how you changed your mindset because the one thing that we've been able to do is like change the mentality, especially with the men in prison. We want them to kind of shift the culture. Yeah, for sure. And I feel like just shifting, like one thing I can tell you to get to where I got, to get to where we all got is, is powering your decision-making. And it starts at the very, very core. You can't you can't really go around it. You can't beat around a bush. You got to make a decision. You got to stand on the decision. I want to go to school. Get in school. I want to get a job. Not only get the job, make sure you're doing the job. Make sure you do everything that the job requires. If you do everything at 100%, no matter how far you get, no matter what grades you get, no matter what kind of accomplishment you get, you will always be on the winning side because you tried your best. Right. So as long as you can put that power in the decision-making and you know that you're going to push, even if you don't have the heart to push, we'll help you push. You know what I mean? But right. Long, make the decision. That's where it all starts. Until you make the decision, nobody can help you. You'll never get no further. You have to take the step, and that's how we can start by doing it. Just making sure that we got the guys feeling like 
I mean, making sure that they have the confidence instilled to them to go further. Because a lot of it's unknown. It but is. Just like college, a lot of the things that we go through in college is unknown. They're introducing us problems, and they're they, they showing us how to solve them, too. Right. That's exactly what life is doing, too. And They're introducing and problems, and we have to figure them out. But <laughs> with college, you gain confidence in those successes. So when you come across life's issues, you'll have confidence to see it through, even though you don't know what's going on. You've already been through this through school. That's how I see school. So I try to keep school and life on the same balance. And that's a great uh, segue to finding balance. Um and actually really coming out of your own mind, out of your own head, because a lot of times as justice involved, we've been conditioned um, for, you know, institutionalized is real. And I think a lot of times being free and not having uh, that kind of support or just the kind of conversation where people say, hey, if you need help, just ask. Or if you don't know, just ask. Um, we're like, I had to tell people one time, even when we were at the halfway house, we're not in prison. Mm-hmm. These individuals are not corrections officers. They're not wearing badges. They're human beings. They're here to support us. And I'm going to tell you another thing that kind of caught me when I first got out. Someone gave me some great advice. And there was two things that she said. And the first thing that she said was get some time under your belt. And number two, when I was thinking that, like I had it in my mind that nobody was fighting for us, it took me some, like I really had to look through a different lens to see that there are a lot of, a hell of a lot of people that are fighting for reentry that have been out here in society that we just never saw. Mm-hmm. And now that we're in this field, with the individuals we're able to see and become change agents with them. And that's what makes a difference, especially, and I'll say this about Laura because Laura is, she, she has never, she's not justice impacted, Mm -hmm. you know, or she hasn't been to prison, but the one thing that she does well is she balances, you know, her mind, her thoughts, her ideas, her ideology, and she sees the value in the organization and higher education, how it's being carried out, how it can be an agent of change. And when you have individuals like that who fight, and I can say the whole staff, it's you passion. know, it, that's passion. Passion, and it's and it's and it's to me, that's the reason why it's been successful. That's why it's so contagious. It is because it's genuine. Because it's real. Because it's real. Yeah. And so we want to um, we want to thank you for listening to um, to us. Um, and we're really grateful that we had an opportunity to sit down today because we have some good stories, and we're hoping that we have another time where we can share. I know Edward, the Mac, (laughs) (laughs) has a lot of stories to share. Um, And so if you're listening, you know, visit THEI.org or you can email the podcast at THEI.org, email podcast at THEI.org. We also have the Moving Forward Guide 
that is out for reentry resources. And we really want everyone to tune in because we're about to shine. The alumni is going to come through, especially with the ladies, because we're going to get them on. Hopefully we can get some of the staff on soon so we can have some real conversations about what reentry looks like and have a real talk. What do you think? Yeah, for sure. I'm most definitely waiting to be tuned in. And I will most definitely be prepared for the next time it's Lord Cook's Chicken and Waffles. I know, yeah. right? I hate I miss the chicken yeah, and waffles. I missed it this time, but <laughs> I guarantee you I won't miss another meal at the THEI office for sure. Yeah, because I'm taking finals and I'm like, you know, I was clearly I was like Homer Simpson, like leaking from the mouth wanting chicken and waffles, and I missed it. And I, and I just want to say this on behalf of us because they, they ate our cake. What? You know that, right? Our birthday cakes. Oh, yeah. They they got eight, so I'm a little upset. I might need another birthday cake. Yeah, Terry, going, where's the cake? No matter of fact, what's going to happen, you better not leave your lunch in the, in the kitchen. <laughs> if you leave your lunch, I'm going to go ahead and take it down for it. So that's all for us, folks. Have a good evening. Bye.